James really shares some inspired wisdom on how to live out our faith following Jesus. In fact, actually, James is really good at this whole idea of, of saying that it has to have some kind of practical application. Uh, that our faith in following Jesus needs to deal with reality. And one of my beliefs is that if I'm going to be a Christ follower, it has to have some application to my daily life, or I just really don't want to do it. And that was part of what convinced me, was the, the book of James, uh, because there was this application of how we see this lived out and how he challenges us to live it out. So we've been talking in this series about this, not that. There's kind of polarities here. And today, particularly, we'll be focusing on peacemakers, not peacekeeping. And now, James affirms that this wisdom comes from, quote, a generous God, there in James 1.5. And I love that term that here's this God who's just generous and is willing to invest in our lives. And uh, I don't know if you've ever gone to the bank lately and asked for a loan, but they don't feel very generous sometimes, you know? It's like, uh, I don't know if we can do that, and we've got to figure all the figures out and all that kind of thing. But here's this God, when I have nothing to bring but my own failures and my own sin, who's generous to me and says, I'm going to bless you. I'm just going to do that. And that's amazing to me. And so, so James says, but this kind of generosity from God then reveals itself in some practical ways in our lives. You heard the text, an honorable life, good works with humility that comes from wisdom. Now, I don't know about you, but when I find myself speaking about something, I find myself in the middle of it a lot of times, and I feel sorry for my family because they have to go through this uh, because of me. But this week, I found myself praying for wisdom because there were seven of us who come from a variety of hurting backgrounds who are going to sit around a table and try to figure out what is the source of tension that has changed the atmosphere. And I got the privilege of leading that conversation. So I prayed a lot. <laughs> and, and it wasn't like this easy, simple answer is still ongoing, but, but God moved and worked in that process. But it was, it was something that we decided was important that we couldn't simply be peacekeepers and just walk through a house and never speak to each other. We had to be peacemakers. So there, there literally was a presence of peace in this place where, well, it's a little two-bedroom cabin with seven people in it. Uh, we needed peacemaking to take place. Now, as I looked at this sermon, as I thought about peacemaking, I thought back to the days of Idaho, and you've heard about Idaho enough. You're like, oh, no, here comes another Idaho story. But it is true. A peacemaker where I grew up was a forty-five caliber Colt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And there actually, there actually are stories of preachers who walked into saloons, laid the colt down on the bar, and said, you will listen to this sermon. Uh, Peter Cartwright was one of those, and his historian says that actually happened, and there were people who listened, and, and they closed the bar later because all these people didn't come back to the bar. But although they were alive, I need to make that clear. And then in, in more recent times, in the last couple of decades, literally, there have been bombs that have been called the peacemaker. That's not what James is talking about. He's talking about something very, very different. And it's, it's practical, and yet it's persistent. 
And, and there is this, this promise that Jesus made out there on the hillside in Galilee. You'd find it if, you're, if you have your Bibles or if you want to look it up later in Matthew 5, 9. Jesus said, God blesses those who work for peace, for they shall be called the children of God. There's a sense in which when we work toward peace, we're carrying the characteristics of the family name, the family of God. So being a follower of Christ is really in many ways a commitment to being a peacemaker because that comes out of the character and wisdom of God. Now, this will tell you a little bit about my deep theological understandings. As I thought about this and as I talked with uh, the person who's presenting this over Good Hope Road, uh, what came to mind was Poe in the Kung Fu Panda movie. Yeah, I've actually watched it. Of course, it was just for the grandchildren. But remember Poe, who was frustrated and, and was lost in who he was and trying to figure all that out, and, and he's walking and trying to figure this out, and, and he's saying, inner peace, inner peace, inner peace. And, and somehow, if he says it enough, he'll have inner peace, he thinks. And I'm convinced that for many of us, that's the way we approach peace in our lives. We just try harder. And, and that's not what James is talking about. He's saying there's some other dynamic that happens here that brings peace into our lives, that inner peace. Paul writes in, uh, to a church in, uh, in Philippi and says it in chapter 4, verse 7 of a book called Philippians. He says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. In other words, why did this happen? Will guard your hearts and your minds. There's this wedding of both heart, that desire, and a mind, the information that we may have. And that's what James has been talking about, that it isn't just the mind gathering information, but it's that transformation that touches our heart and then lives out in practical ways. Now, have, have you ever experienced, or maybe you've watched someone else and you've asked this question, where did that wisdom come from? Now, to be honest, there's people who have said in my life, well, oh, that's really wise. And I'm like, well, unfortunately, that didn't come from me if it was wise. There, there is some mysterious way that God is at work in our lives. It's not just simply us trying harder. But God is somehow working through his character, through his spirit in our lives to provide at that moment those concepts which are for peacemaking. And so Paul would write to a church in, in Ephesus and say, he is our peace. He destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility between us. So we don't have to live with that hostility. So here's the first point, if you're following along in the scoop. A peacemaker finds inner peace so he or she can bring peace to others. A peacemaker finds inner peace so he or she can bring peace to others. Do you know a person, and you don't have to name them out loud, but do you know a person that just kind of when they show up, it, it just brings some peace to the situation? Kind of in those tense moments, uh, 
If they were to walk in the room, there's something about it. It changes the atmosphere of the room. Their conversations change it. Now, his name was Ted Grinnells. Um, <laughs> Ted had older brothers, so he was the youngest of the brothers, and, and he was some of the characterization of a younger brother. He was a troublemaker and loved to poke people and get them as angry as he could. And so in this little two-room schoolhouse that I grew up there in Idaho with, uh, Ted made most people angry. And he spent most recesses trying to fight off those who were angry at him. And even though I had been bullied because I was the fat guy during those days, I spent most of my recesses protecting Ted, trying to be a peacemaker in my little grade school mind that wasn't fully developed. Um, and, And it became so intense in terms of trying to protect him that a teacher decided when I was a fourth grader that there was a sixth grader named Monty Loman who was one of the agitators out in recess time that we would put on boxing gloves. So I as a fourth grader, him as a sixth grader, and we stepped into the ring to settle this. Didn't settle anything really, but we went at it anyway and we thought we were doing a good thing. And I'm sure the teacher thought it was a good thing, but it did nothing but wear us out. Doug Knoll, who is an internationally known peacemaker, says this. Peacemaking concerns a deeper way of looking at conflict than just winning and losing. It looks at conflict as opportunities for people to grow, to accept responsibility for relationships they're in, and for the potential of apology and forgiveness. In other words, he's saying sometimes we only think of it this way or we think of it that way, but there really is a third way here. There is something that we can embrace as Christians. One of the things that uh, people look at me strange in premarital counseling, I say, you know, conflict's necessary for you to have a good marriage. And they're like, really? <laughs> we thought it destroyed us. No, it doesn't have to destroy you because when you're honest, and you really talk about those differences, then you can find your way through it. Peacekeeping buries that, and it shows up in some strange ways that I might talk about just a little bit later. Now, don't raise your hands. Please don't give each other the look. How many of you love conflict? Keep looking straight ahead. Don't you dare turn to the side, okay? You see, conflict does provide this opportunity. As I mentioned before, even in marriage, it's really an important part of our, of our growing together. Making peace means being in right relationship on the inside so that right relationship spills on the outside. And that sounds great. You're like, oh, Eldon, that's a, really, that's a great statement. But it isn't natural. It doesn't just happen naturally. You know, growing up in Idaho, my tendency is to pull out the 45 cold and blast away. And if you're in the way of the bullet, that's just tough. That's how we solved a lot of things up there in the mountains. But there's also this other side that says, well, I'll just avoid the conflict. I'll keep the peace. I'll just squish down what's bothering me. 
And, and so there, there are some families that seem to love conflict. I didn't see any of you saying, oh, yeah, that's really me. Yeah, I really like conflict. There are some families that seem to enjoy that sense of conflict going on. And, and yet a lot of people can't wait to get out of those situations where that conflict is always the underwriting uh, factor. Sometimes our mantra is just, can't we all just get along? We'll just ignore our hurts. We'll squish down our deepest desires. And, and we'll say things that aren't really true because we think that's what the other person wants us to say. We do all this to keep peace with the people in our lives. But it really becomes like a demilitarized zone. Nothing's settled. It's always there. It always can explode. And, and, and it does. And, and sometimes it does it in really awkward ways. I mean, it even happens on the way to church sometimes. It does. And I know because it's happened to me on the way to church. You know, my wife and I are in this, in, we wouldn't call it an argument. It's an intense conversation. And we're both saying it very loudly and we're, think we're both right. And we drive into the parking lot and we open the door and we say, Hey, Steve, how you doing? Beautiful day today, isn't it? It's been hot and now this is so nice. Isn't that great? Somehow it got squished right there. We can even do that in church settings. It's like, you know, how did he get up front? I mean, I could talk better than he could talk. And we can sit through an entire service and think, ah, they just don't do it the right way here. We see this creeping into our lives in a lot of different places, very practical places. It's, It's the guy or the lady at work who got the promotion and we didn't. And why not? And so peacekeepers are really satisfied with a peace, it's a false peace, that leaves us with shallow relationships and damages our hearts. So if you're filling in the blank, that's that second one. Peacekeepers are just satisfied with a false peace that leaves us with shallow relationships and it damages our heart. And, and James says it this way, it, it creates jealousy, selfish ambition, boasting, lying. It becomes passive, aggressive. And he goes on to say, and it leads to disorder of every kind. So James makes the case that containing knowledge is not the same as transformation. Just because I know what I think are the right answers doesn't necessarily transform relationships. Say, well, Elton, can you give me an illustration? I can give you an illustration. I have a family member who will remain unnamed who actually was spending Thanksgiving Day with another family. And this family had ongoing conflict. And it was unresolved conflict. But it was there, and it was right below the surface, and you could tell the tenseness there. They knew something was going on. And somebody said something wrong, and my family member saw someone in that family member actually slug the other person and knock them over a couch onto the floor face down. Can you imagine Thanksgiving dinner together after that experience? Uh, yeah, our family member never shared Thanksgiving with them again. The Jewish tradition uses the word shalom. 
That's the kind of peace that just invades all of our lives and realizes everything we receive is from God. It's kind of like Pastor Rick was talking about in terms of our generosity. We receive this from God. We share back with God because he has shared with us. That, that sense of everything in our lives, bringing that centeredness of peace. The Greek word that's used here, which most of the New Testament is written in, is, is for peace is irene. And it indicates some inward peace going on while, while it's working toward an outward expression. It's not something we keep from ourselves and for ourselves and we just say, okay, I've got peace and it's just me. This peace that James is talking about is something that works within us and it, it is experienced outside of us. So peacemakers choose that inner peace that creates the possibility of authentic relationships. So let's read James again. James 3, verse 13. It's in your scoop, or you have your Bibles, or your Bible app, um, and on the screen. I'm going to read it a little more slowly this time. And allow it to speak to your life. I'll allow it to speak to mine as well. If you are wise... And understand God's ways. Prove it by living an honorable life. Doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you're bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. James, in essence, is saying peacemakers will attend to the condition of their heart. That's the third fill in the blank. Peacemakers attend to the condition in their heart. You see, peacekeeping is simply that suppression that says, stop that. And, you know, I found myself saying that to my children. Stop that. <laughs> okay. And it may have stopped the activity, but, but it's like the little boy who's sitting in a corner and he said, well, I may be sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. And there's, there's truth in that, that that's peacekeeping. But peacemaking is creating that space to grow between two children, two adults, that we may be at odds or there may be conflict. So, so then the tough question is, well, Eldon, how are you doing on the inside? How am I doing on the inside? It's a tough question, but James makes it abundantly clear that becoming a peacemaker really begins internally. So if I don't have inner peace, I probably won't bring peace to others. Have you experienced something like this that you see them coming and you think, oh no, here comes the story I've heard 100 times before. It's like their lives are in turmoil, there's lots of pain, and they've got a continuing playlist that repeats, 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 and you've heard this story before. It's painful for them, but it's also painful for those of us who hear. Another thing that I've noticed that has happened 
is, and, and as a pastor, I've had to be careful about this because uh, there's times where my spouse is defensive. If you want to get in trouble, start talking badly about me to my wife. Uh, you could be, you could find a 45 being used, okay? And, um, but it is easy for a spouse to pick up the anger and hurt of, that is reported back by her spouse or his spouse. And uh, there are times when Ginger was working, there was a person that she worked for that really knew better than what he was doing, and as she shared it. I said, you know, I play noontime basketball with that person. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to lay him out on the floor. And she said, no, that's not what I want. I just need you to hear me. I just need you to hear me here. Peacemaking. Here's what seems crazy is that I can talk badly about coworkers or friends or family to someone else. And then like when I'm with them, it's like, oh, it's all good, isn't it? It's just good. And, and essentially I'm lying about my true feelings. So the danger of peacekeeping is that our relationships remain shallow and we miss out on a lot of opportunity for deeper relationships. Have you ever done this? I have. You know, someone has said, Eldon, you're mad. And kind of with gritted teeth, I'm like, I am not mad. And my very grit teeth would tell you, I am mad. So peacemakers are really honest with others because they attend to their own heart with honesty. And they engage conflict to work towards resolution. Peace Cazero, there's a group of Bible studies that, that go on here at daybreak, among others, many. But... Uh, It's based off of a a book called Emotional Healthy Spirituality. And he says, nobody likes conflict, yet conflict is everywhere from law courts, certainly there, to workplaces, to classrooms, to neighborhoods, to marriages, to parenting our children, to close relationships, and to when someone has spoken or acted toward us inappropriately. As a peacekeeper, I just try to sweep this under the rug. I just don't want it to be seen. I don't want to address it. And yet the truth is, it's like an iceberg. 90% of it's below the surface and being untouched by Christ. It can explode at any time. Brian, who's speaking at Good Hope Road today, and I shared this past week and then Monday we met together again for lunch to go over what we were sharing in our messages But Brian shared this story, so I I robbed it from him, and he gave me permission. But he was driving up toward Dillsburg, and he was coming up a mountain, and over the mountain came a truck, and it was in the middle of the road. And it was kind of like, uh uh-oh, because it wasn't that long of a mountain, but he thought, surely they'll see me, and they'll get back into the lane. And instead... They kept coming, and they came over into his lane. And he finally had to just drive off the road into a cornfield and fortunately was able to keep going and came out on the other side. And he saw in the rear mirror, it looked like the truck was stopping, so he turned around to talk with them, and they drove off. He said he followed them, and there was mud flying everywhere, and, and the whole anger, frustration thing was building, and, and he followed them into where they worked, and they weren't about to come out, but he did talk to the manager, and, and eventually the manager said, uh, yeah, you get an estimate of all the stuff that's happened to your car, and we'll take care of it, and, 
And at that moment, Brian moved from a peacekeeper to a peacemaker because he was able to say what was really wrong and what was really bothering him. And the manager had a choice of, do I want to just keep peace or do I want to be a peacemaker too? But Brian's part was he really became a peacemaker. That's an important part of our life. Can you imagine if he hadn't done that? What would have happened to Brian? Every time he saw a truck that looked like the one that came over the mountain, you know, imagine what was going on inside him. And it could literally eat him alive. Instead, he addressed it. And there was opportunity for something good to come out of that. Just on a practical basis, because again, James is very practical. My wife and I, and we've been married 52 years, so we've had plenty of time to have a few spats. And um, early in our marriage, I was this guy, I didn't even know I had feelings. Actually, literally, I've told classes this. My, my wife taught me I had feelings. I didn't know I had feelings. And so I was pretty much, I could just float along with life, and there was no big problems. Everything's going well. We're doing things good. And meantime, my wife has these feelings about this or that. And, and uh, so after several weeks, uh, we lay down, about ready to go to sleep, and we recognize there's a light on in one of the rooms in the house. Then comes a discussion about who left that light on and who's going to get up to turn it off. And then it just kind of becomes a little bit bigger because of all the stuff that had built up. And pretty soon it was close to a volcano, kind of like what happened out there in Hawaii. The lava was flowing all over. And it's a good thing we didn't have guns under the pillow because we might have used them at that point. And, and then we realized and begin to learn, wait a minute, in these moments that, that we can say, okay, let's, it's not going to get solved. We, we have this rule. If it's after 11 o'clock, it's not going to get solved. We will simply set up a time tomorrow to have coffee together and talk about this. Now, the important thing is, and here's a real important clue, is make sure you follow up with that commitment. But um, we discovered that it really helped when we talked about what are some of the things that have touched us so that we don't have that volcano every, every three weeks. Feelings are not something to avoid. They're a conduit for authentic relationships, even with God. I think I've shared with you that in ministry and God was blessing and there were a lot of good things happening. I remember this moment of walking out by a lake. It was nearby and, and uh, feeling the weight of ministry. And I remember shaking my fist toward heaven and saying, God, this is not fair. And one of the things I walked, he didn't strike me dead. I'm still alive. That's obvious. I realized that I talked about a relationship with God, but I'd swept things under the rug for too long. If it's a real relationship, I can share those places of pain with a God who gives so generously. Attending to the condition of our hearts will bring peace that we can share with others. So let's look at the second half of what James wrote. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It also is peace-loving. It's gentle at all times. It's willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism and it's always sincere. 
And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So James is very clear. This, this wisdom is, is something that comes from God, from knowing God, knowing who God is, and, and applying that as a Jesus follower into my life. And, and, and this word pure that it talks about is, is like, well, somebody was talking about power washing when I was talking with them earlier today. And it's like a power washer washing off all those layers. And finally you can see, or my glasses, if I have had one of those days where there's lots of spatters that I wash it off and then I can see clearly. That's what this idea behind pure, love is pure, that it talks about with God that I can see God in ways that I haven't seen before when those layers are removed. Jesus said it up there on the hillside in Galilee, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God, see God. So true peace doesn't, doesn't uh, really come from avoiding conflict. It comes from engaging and discovering this third way, the way of peacemaking. Now, there are six things, and, and we didn't put them in the scoop. So if you want to take note of them, but they're right from the text. And I'll follow the text in these next few moments, identifying six things that are important about peacemaking. You're saying, man, we could be here till way after one. No, it won't take quite that long. The first thing is, if I'm wise, I won't disguise my weaknesses. I'll be vulnerable myself. And this is the way James says it. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. It removes all the crud that covers up what's underneath. And it's open. It's honest. Even about my weaknesses. A colleague helped me with some of these kinds of things when I was working, uh, particularly with younger people. And it was just it was just a simple question. Help me understand. Help me understand why you did that. And people have asked about some of the things I did, and I have no answer for some of them. And, and sometimes there isn't an answer from those. But help me understand this and to know my own weaknesses and know that they, they exist as well. There's an honesty in this that James is calling us to. The second thing is that if I'm wise, I don't antagonize your anger. James says it this way. It's also peace-loving. James is pointing out to this consistency and character that isn't always poking. <laughs> Trying to antagonize and create the tornado of response. There is this sense of loving peace and you have a sense that this is what this person's after they're not trying to hurt you the third thing he says and i'll put it in my words and in his words if i'm wise i won't minimize your feelings i won't minimize your feelings james puts it this way there in verse 17 be gentle at all times there's a sense that gentleness isn't passivity. Gentleness is power under control. That moment where I know I'm so right I could crush you. I choose not to do that. I choose to grow with you, not crush you. 
gentle at all times. It's hard work. And it demands some intentionality and, and to respect the other person and respond in that considerate manner. But, but it really is a God thing. The psalmist talks about it in Psalm 103. He says, God does not punish us for all of our sins. He doesn't deal harshly with us as we deserve. He's talking about grace there. The great, generous giver of grace. The fourth thing is, if I'm wise, I'll value your opinion. Even if you're wrong, I'll value your opinion. That was meant to be something you could laugh about. Um, but I will value your opinion. I'm will- James says it this way, willing to yield to others. In other words, admitting that there might be space for me to have a different point of view than I have at this moment. Wisdom from heaven is persuadable. It can disagree agreeably, if you want to put it that way. It's, it's full of mercy, good fruit. It values others. It listens well. And it cares with a degree of empathy. I value your opinion. The fifth thing is, if, if I'm wise, I will recognize your needs. And, and James says it this way, again, going back to verse 17. It's full of mercy and of good deeds. Mercy is translated sometimes as lovely, as beautiful. You know, in my mind, it's one of those things where I realize that Ginger may just, that's my wife, Ginger may need a good hug instead of me laying out that bad boss on the basketball court. Or it may be the flowers when I haven't done anything wrong. That may be one of the needs she has. I don't know what the needs are in terms of the people you're talking to. But you see, that's what James is talking about. Mercy and good deeds. And finally, if I'm a wise as a peacemaker, I won't compromise my integrity. It, James says it this way. It doesn't show partiality. It is sincere. It is without guile. It doesn't pretend in this process. It may even mean giving up some of my rights so another can be healed. But I do it willingly and knowingly. Let's go back to that last verse then, verse 18. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Now, it's a 30-minute drive from my home, actually 35 if I always obey the speed limit. Uh, There's true confession. But um, I drive through a lot of green fields at this time of the year. But it's amazing, those, those farmers that have planted those green fields, they don't just plant those so I can drive through them and say, wow, that's a beautiful field, and look how all those rows line up, and I just love all the different colors of green. They actually plant this with an idea of harvest. And that's what James is talking about in terms of the seeds of peacemaking. That there's going to be, if we sow, if we plant seeds of peace, that we can reap a harvest of righteousness. Jesus was a peacemaker, but it came as a price. He wasn't passive. He was strong in what he believed. And it created anger by the religious leaders who were covering up a lot of hypocrisy. There was derision from his family. We all know that the author of James, um, the book of James, if indeed was James the brother of Jesus, that he wasn't an early believer in Jesus. 
It took a resurrection. And then there also was a cross in Christ's life. But there was a harvest. There was a resurrection. There was a crown. There literally today from every nation and tribe are people who are followers of Jesus. Was it worth it? Well, in retrospect, we could say it was, but there's those seasons where you say, wow, that's really hard. Is it worth it? It's important that we become peacemakers. And peacemakers really start with that inner peace, but it doesn't just solve, just stay there in a selfish way. It's one of those things that we want to share with others. Here's the way one of those close followers of Jesus wrote it, Peter. He said, Whoever would love life and see good days, he must seek peace and pursue it. This morning response time, I did, there's four suggestions I would like to make, and there may be others that, that God might be speaking to you about well beyond my words. But, but here are four that as you pull out your response card and you pray about it and think about it, 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 it may be that this is a moment for finding that inner peace uh, from God that spills over into the lives of others. And, and this morning, I would just encourage you that there are people back in the back who, who would be glad to pray with you if that's a prayer that you want to offer this morning. Or if you even want to write out a prayer on your response card, there will be people who will pray during the week and pray that God will honor your requests. Maybe it's identifying that person or situation where there's just lots of inner turmoil. And beginning to name that and allowing the naming of it to begin to be the healing that peacemaking can bring. Or maybe this morning it's recognizing that little root of bitterness that the Bible talks about, how it's growing, and you bump into it every once in a while where you're like, ooh, that's pretty icky. I feel pretty bitter about that, to be honest. And that's a place where we can grow through by the power of the Spirit. Or maybe it's the prayer for the qualities that James talks about and having that honest conversation with God. God, this is really, this is really where it's at. For James, it wasn't about doing these grandiose things. It was about living the mundane, the daily. That's what he was talking about. So it's important to choose, not to stay, and, and this is actually a quote. I think, again, it's from my theologian, Poe. But it's important to choose not to stay in our prisons of fear, surrounded by bars of hopelessness. It's important for us to allow God to some important work in our lives. I'd like to pray with you this morning, and then uh, there's going to be a song. You're welcome to continue on with the response cards during that song. And, um, and then after that, we'll be back for a benediction. Let's just pray together. Lord, uh, on a low Sunday, this is, this, is, this is a challenging message. It's a challenging message for me. I feel like the fingers are pointed back at me today. Am I a peacemaker or a peacekeeper? But I realize all of us, because we're relational beings, have those challenges. And may your spirit do that great work that James challenges us to as followers of Jesus. 
to be men and women who are peacemakers, not just peacekeepers. May you do those deep things that are required for that in our lives. In your name we pray.